Welcome to Hope Is Here, bringing hope to those struggling with life's difficult situations. Welcome to Hope Is Here. My name is Greg Horn. We are continuing our conversation with author, speaker, and advocate Elizabeth Stone. She's written a wonderful book with her daughter, Aaron, called The Valley of the Shadow. It shares about their experience back uh, a few years ago when uh, Aaron attempted suicide as a teenager. Thankfully, she did survive and is healthy and well, but they want to help other people to learn from their experience. And so uh, we talked about that yesterday uh, on the program, a powerful program. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go to our website, hopeisheretoday.org. That's hopeisheretoday.org. Org and check out that 14-minute program or wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever platform that is, you can find that program. Just simply type in Hope is Here on that platform and you can find that. But Elizabeth, yesterday we were sharing about, um, you know, what would you say to parents that, you know, they're just saying, man, I'm trying the best I can. It seems like uh, I'm failed or maybe they've had a child that unfortunately their suicide attempt was successful and just, I know, breaks your heart. And that's why you started this ministry. It's one of the aspects of it. But you shared a scripture yesterday that was so powerful uh, from Jeremiah that honestly I hadn't you know, wasn't really as familiar with. Uh, could you share that with our listening audience today? Sure. And um, it's Jeremiah 31, and it starts at verse 16. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is a hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. Just uh, really powerful verses from Jeremiah. And, of course, Jeremiah uh, preached uh, during the time of the exiles. And if you're not familiar with the history, um, when Judah uh, had so uh, rebelled against the Lord with their idolatry that he decided that they would be defeated by Babylon, the Babylonian officials came into Judah and took the best of the best. It would be like them walking into your local high school, taking the best musicians, the best, best athletes, the best scholars, and took them off to Babylon, and that would enhance the beauty and power of Babylon. And, of course, Daniel and his three friends, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were some of those young people that were ripped out of the arms of their parents and marched away, and the parents couldn't do anything about it. And these promises are that God will bring our kids back from the enemy. And, of course, now in the New Testament, New Covenant application, we know that uh, the devil is always trying to get at our kids, and he's not lazy, and he it will use any weapon he can to get into their lives. And we've seen a lot of families that have been harmed by addiction or by cutting or by anorexia or by suicide, as in our case. And the thing is that God will give us a reward for our work, that we have cried over these kids, we have prayed over these kids, but God promises that he will bring them back from the land of the enemy. Amen. Love that. Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about that Elizabeth's going to be doing, we're going to be sharing more here in a few minutes uh, before we close out today. She is going to be doing a one-hour workshop to get the basics of suicide prevention for church leaders, clergy, and all interested parties. Uh, she's going to provide some practical ministry tools for serving your church family and uh, really hope that you're going to take advantage of that. That's going to be coming up in December, and it's going to be available online. So we'll be sharing more detail about that in a minute. 
minute. But uh, talk to some about, as you look at this ministry, uh, what, are, what are the three lacks that you see? One of the things that I have noticed in uh, churches um, and in the community at large are people who uh, come to the point of desperation and think about uh, attempting or completing suicide, they basically have three lacks. And the first one is a lack of love. Uh, the second one is a lack of belonging. And the third one is a lack of purpose. And I kind of boil it down to these things because I think these are our human lacks. These are what happens when we are out in the world and we are not connected to God or connected to other people. Um, so when I say these three lacks, I believe that the church is the place where these lacks should be filled up. And I believe that Christian families are kind of like a microcosm of the kingdom of God. So uh, Christian families should be functioning on a level where everybody in the family feels loved, feels like they belong there, feels like they have purpose. And I believe the church, if we can't satisfy those three lacks, if we cannot share the love of God and the love of the church, if we cannot share with people that they belong with us, when they walk in the door of the church, they should feel like this is home, that this is where they've been longing to come. And the third thing is purpose, and I believe that that is the calling that we have in Christ. Um, the scripture is very clear that when we come to Christ, we are loved by God, we are saved by God, but we're also sent by God. So when you look in the scriptures, you see these people who encounter the living Christ, and after he does whatever they need done, he, t he sends them. He might say, go and sin no more, or go and tell somebody, or return to your village and tell everybody what God has done for you, or go to the priests and show them that you have been healed. And over and over in scripture, we see that there is this sense that part of our healing, part of our journey, part of our blessing comes from fulfilling that calling in Christ. And the scripture tells us that when the Holy Spirit puts that calling on our hearts, we will also be gifted to accomplish it. Mm. Good stuff. I love you hit on that part about the belonging. Um, I just think it's so huge. And I think people got really isolated during COVID. And, you know, we better do that for some health reasons. But then coming out of it, I think some people are still suffering emotionally and mentally from that isolation. And I want to encourage you today, if you're listening to, hey, find a good church home. Um, you know, man, I know a lot of times people like to sneak in, sneak out. But we were talking about the love big churches. I worked at them, and they're great. But uh, maybe try a smaller church. And the reason is, uh, as the old saying goes, it cheers. Remember many years ago, uh, you know, the theme song was, you come in, everybody knows your name. And we've talked about some of the advantages of smaller church. We were talking about off the air it's just that it's a chance for you to get connected and for people to know your name. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be true with your ministry experience? Absolutely. And um, one day I walked into Lowe's and I was looking for some screws. And when I walked in, there was a guy there. And as soon as I walked into his aisle, he said, hi, I'm Melvin. I'll be with you in just a second. I got a couple people ahead of you, but look around and let me see how I can help you. And he dealt with the other two people, and then he came up to me and said, how can I be of service? What can I do? And what he did was he brought me into his world, and he shared what it was, and he helped me understand more about what I needed. I'm not a big woodworker. I was there on behalf of my husband, who is a big woodworker. And he got me exactly what I needed, and then he said, I hope you'll come back and see me again sometime. And I thought, 
church needs to be like this. You know, I thought there should be a Melvin in every church to greet everybody who walks in the door. Because sometimes people who come to church, they don't know how things work. They've never been to church before. They, you know, or they've been in a different denomination. And, you know, our job is to make them feel welcome, to show them how to uh, not be embarrassed, how to follow the service, how to share with it, whether it's on a big screen or in a bulletin or in a little book. What we are trying to do is make them feel welcome. And when they belong, then we can bring them along in the faith. You know, evangelism starts with making connections. And then discipleship is bringing people along to help them understand what it means to be a Christian, to develop your character and the, and the virtues that, that God calls us to do, but also then what is it that God is calling us to do? How do we become a Melvin for somebody else? Amen. And there's just something about being recognized, you know, like Melvin did you. You were recognized. And, hey, I'll be with you. I can't be with you now, but I think sometimes I'm even guilty of it, you know, because we've got so many things on our mind and we can't get somebody immediately. We just ignore it. And yet him taking that five seconds to acknowledge you was a game changer. Absolutely. So a good word for all of us listening today, just to acknowledge people's presence, even if you can't give them your full uh, undivided attention. Let me ask you, what is one piece of advice that you would give to churches who are facing maybe a suicide attempt or a completion in their church family? The, the, the best piece of advice I can give is do what's normal. Do what's normal. Um, we live in an area of the United States where we are generous people and we are loving people. And when something happens in a family, uh, in our community, we fly into action and we're there, you know, making meals, we're visiting, we're coming around the family. Sometimes when there's an attempted suicide or a completed suicide or mental illness, the church family doesn't do the normal stuff. You know, with permission, you should put them on the prayer chain. Um, You should do the visitation. You should check up on them. You should invite them out to activities at the church. If there is a bereavement, you uh, almost every church I know of has a bereavement dinner. And they come around, they go to the visitation, they go to graveside. Everything that you would do normally for someone who is ill or for somebody who has died Just do the same thing, and that rule of thumb will get you through so much. And part of it is just being present. Um, I uh, the very first uh, funeral I ever did, I was uh, at church, and somebody called me that one of the gentlemen in the church had died, and he'd had a massive coronary, hit the ground, and he was out in the field. And I went to his wife's house, and it was the first time I was so green. It was the first time I ever had to deal with a death as a church leader. And I just sat at her kitchen table, and, of course, all the ladies in the neighborhood came in and did all the dishes and fixed everything up. But I just sat there at her kitchen table, and just tears rolled down my face, and I didn't know what to say. But it just being there, and uh, I offered to pray with her, and I held, you know, held her hand. Sometimes uh, the silence is even better than filling the air with a lot of noise. So do what's normal. Yeah, and I love that because I think you're right. People, the enemy says, well, don't do anything. You, you know, this is different, and you don't know what to say, and yet you're, you know, normal, just like a normal death. But two, 
just be present. And three, the thing that I learned from uh, my mentor, Wayne Smith, the founding pastor of South and Christian, uh, he just says, simply tell people, you know, hey, I hurt because you hurt. And that's all you need to say. And just, you know, how are you doing? And then just listen, not expecting that you have to have the answer, you know, however they respond, just you know, mm-hmm. listen and uh, some great advice there all right well you've got this wonderful workshop coming up unfortunately we only got about a minute and a half but talk to us a little bit about this workshop you've got coming up called seven things to do to fight suicide well i was asked recently for an hour of my time and i did something i promised myself i would never do i entered into the coaching with a couple who were doing youth ministry and had a couple uh, vulnerable youth and um what I had to do was take my program, which usually is like a whole day's program or half a day's program, and boil it down to one hour. And I thought, what are the basic tools that these two people need so they can go minister to these kids? So that's what I've done, seven things to do to fight suicide. It's just basic ministry tools. And as we all know, you go to seminary, they don't always teach you what you need to know. Just like if you go to teacher's college, they don't always teach you what you need to know in the classroom. So what we want to do is give clergy, church leadership, and as you said, any interested party, seven things that they can do right now, today, that will help them cope with the immediate problem and also give them resources to take away so that they're not in it alone. All right, people are listening like, hey, I want to be a part of this. What's the best way for people to get more information, get registered for this event in December? Okay, this is going to go live on my website. And when it does, I will let you know. Um, and people will be able to go right to my website and they will be able to go right to the events page and just sign up right online. I'm going to make it um, online because with COVID, we want to be able to reach everybody. And I am hoping that after it's over, the recording will be available to purchase as well. And what is the date? December 13th. December 13th. Which is a Tuesday night. All right. So you can put that on your schedule. We'll have information with that with the podcast of this program. So I hope that you will register and participate in seven things to do to fight suicide. And also get a copy of Elizabeth and Aaron Stone's wonderful book, Valley of the Shadow. And uh, check out her website to go register. It's wvlivingstone.com to either get a copy of the book or to register for this workshop, Seven Things to Do to Fight Suicide. That's wvlivingstone.com. For Elizabeth Stone, I'm Greg Horn, and this is Hope Is Here. Thank you for listening to Hope Is Here podcast. To listen to one of our previous programs or to make a tax-deductible donation, please go to our website, hopeishere.today. That's hopeishere.today.